0: KJZZ's Fronteras desk, welcome to Crossing the Line, a podcast that explores the national, cultural, and political boundaries of the Southwest. I'm Jimmy Jenkins. An American man named Stephen Brewer has made it his life's mission to care for orphan children in Mexico. Only, he didn't expect to get caught in the middle of a vicious drug war and witness the destruction of a small town along the way. Our reporter Monica Ortiz-Uribe introduces us to his story.
1: In his youth, Pastor Steve Brewer was a self-described bad guy. He was an outlaw who rode around in a motorcycle club dealing drugs and getting into fights. Then one day, he unwillingly ended up in church on Easter Sunday, where he saw something that was missing in his life.
2: I looked out at these people, and they were happy, and they were joyful and I was full of anger and bitterness and resentment.
1: Before long, he became a devoted Christian. Now he's 60 years old, quick to tears, and his conversations frequently choke up with emotion. This happens especially when he talks about what brought him to the U.S.-Mexico border. I
2: was living in Pennsylvania, wanted to come to Mexico on a vacation. And so just out of curiosity, I looked at the the map El Paso. I saw it was right on the border. And so I came out.
1: But instead of enjoying himself, Steve was struck by the abject poverty he saw. On the outskirts of Ciudad Juarez, he found people sifting through a garbage dump looking for food.
2: And I can't describe to you what it sounds like to hear literally millions of flies buzzing in a hundred and five degree heat, uh, or what it smells like uh, walking through rot and, and destruction.
1: Steve felt called by his faith to move to the border and help the poor. It was a radical decision that changed the course of his life.
2: Yep, I had a a wife and three children and I went back to Pennsylvania and and pulled up our tent stakes and packed the U-Haul and moved to El Paso.
1: That was 30 years ago. He now heads up a nonprofit called Tapestries of Life, headquartered 45 minutes outside El Paso in the small town of Fabens, Texas. Just across the border is another small town called Guadalupe in the farming region known as the Valley of Juarez. We drive through there on our way to see the orphanage.
2: This used to be an absolutely beautiful, beautiful town. A little sleepy, kind of quiet, uh, Pueblo.
1: Uh, it kind of looks like that way to me now. You
2: know? Yeah, but but uh, because I've been here for so long, I know the difference. Um, most of the people here are gone now. Uh, most of the businesses are closed. Most of the the business owners are either dead or they have fled for their lives.
1: This is the part of the story I hadn't prepared to stumble into. The town of Guadalupe reportedly lost 85% of its population during the brutal drug war that hammered this region beginning in 2008. Steve was here to witness it firsthand.
2: Uh, You can see here, like, this is the police station that is totally abandoned. These are businesses here that are are totally abandoned.
1: Yeah, the windows are broken through. Uh, There's no doors. They're completely empty.
2: The military is over here at the electric company. They've turned that into uh, a dorm.
1: Suddenly, I remembered news stories about two young women who served as the lone police officers for Guadalupe and a neighboring town back in 2010. One was dubbed the bravest woman in Mexico. She later fled to the U.S. The other was kidnapped two days before Christmas and killed. Now only the military is left to
2: patrol. The mayor of the town had these buildings painted bright colors to try to bring joy back to the community so they would somewhat uh, forget about all the violence and all the problems that we had here.
1: And what do people think about that?
2: Well, we know it's just a facade.
1: Later, Steve takes me inside the blackened shell of a home that belonged to a former mayor of Guadalupe. The roof, windows, and doors are gone. It was torched back in 2008 after he and his family were murdered, presumably by organized crime. I'm I'm still smelling the the ash, and I'm, I'm wondering why do I still smell the ash? That day, a steady rain had conjured up the scent of the old fire back into the air. For Steve, it brings up a flood of painful memories.
2: These are the people of this community. Uh, My friends, my colleagues, uh, we were all leaders together trying to make a better town.
1: Steve says they were targeted because they spoke out against the violence and drug trafficking. In the Valley of Juarez, there are no certain answers. Officials blame the mayhem on drug cartels battling for control of the plaza. But many locals believe it's a joint effort by corrupt authorities and criminals who want to push them out and free up their farmland for more lucrative development.
2: I have never seen anyone on this property since it was destroyed. I'm the only one that comes here. I bring TV crews here, I bring you here, I bring different people here to tell the story so that it's not forgotten. That there are people that stood up and it cost them their life.
1: For me, walking through the ruins of this house gave me the eerie sensation of trespassing on hollowed ground. There were still gnarled mattress fibers in the bedrooms and dismembered doll parts in the hallway. Further east, in Juarez, the city is doing its best to erase its bloody past. Here in Guadalupe, stark reminders of it are everywhere. But the horrors Steve witnessed in the last decade have not deterred him from his ultimate mission, which is to complete an orphanage for 200 children on the outskirts of Guadalupe.
2: We're driving down a gravel road now, about four or five miles out into the desert. And once you get there, it is just absolutely beautiful. And there's nothing around us except for the mountains and the desert.
1: The road into the orphanage is truly terrible. At one point, it caved into a running stream created by the rain. The road is like a metaphor for all the obstacles Steve has faced along the way and somehow managed to plow through. Only it's taken him close to 20 years to get to where he is now. One of his first challenges was finding land.
2: I began uh, asking different farmers and looking at different pieces of property, knocking on doors.
1: Steve relies entirely on donations for the work he does. Often it comes serendipitously. One donor, he says, handed him a check for $10,000 after Steve spoke at his church. A farmer had previously offered him a lot for that same amount, but tried to raise the price once Steve had the money.
2: They had a city council meeting here in town and they were discussing, you know, Steve and his $10,000. And uh, these men were positioning themselves so that they could convince me to buy the property. And a retired man in the corner, he stood up and he said, I'm ashamed of us. He said, here Stephen has come into our country to invest into the lives of our children. And here we are trying to steal his money. He said, I have more land than my family will ever use. And if this council will agree, I'm going to give him 27 acres. And so on that day, he deeded over to of well, the organization Tapestries of Mexico, um, 27 acres.
1: Steve has a lot of stories like this. In the course of two decades, he says he's managed to raise $7 million. Volunteer groups from around the world, mostly the U.S., visit him year-round and spend a week in Guadalupe helping to construct the orphanage. Okay, so we're going to get out and see it. When you enter the orphanage, you step into a big open foyer with a 30-foot high ceiling crowned with a diamond-shaped skylight. Wow, (laughs)
2: look
1: at this stonework, it's beautiful, wow.
2: Well, thank you, that's what I'm after, wow. I want people to know that the days For orphans, the days of slip shot, throw it together, who cares, or just orphan kids, those days are over.
1: The building is two-storied and shaped like a cross. Each wing will house a different age group, ranging from three to 19 years old. The ground floor is for boys, the top floor for girls. The plan is six kids to a room, each decorated with its own theme. Outside, there's a separate building that will serve as a cafeteria and auditorium.
2: I'm about $800,000 away from children living here. That could take uh, anywhere from five, 10 more years, or it could take uh, six months. It all depends on, on resources and finances.
1: Estimates of the number of children orphaned by the drug war in and around Juarez vary between 10,000 to 17,000. The Child Welfare Agency in Chihuahua counts 40 shelters in the state, most of which are privately
2: run. Yeah, the government has orphanages in, in Ciudad Juarez. But that when you go to those, there are an orphanage for 40. They got 75, 80 kids in them. They have said to me, the day... You say we're completed. This building is filled with kids the same day. My name is Daniel Hugo Romero Zambrano. I'm 39 years old, and I
0: grew up in an orphanage.
1: Danny Zambrano is from Guadalupe. His mom died when he was a kid, and his dad was an abusive alcoholic who couldn't care for him or his siblings. At the shelter, Danny struggled emotionally.
2: When I was there... Uh, I was having problems, you know, in my heart. And I didn't want to live anymore until one day I was going to take out my life.
1: Danny was just 11 years old. Luckily, the staff was able to talk him out of suicide. He soon turned to religion and later met Steve, who helped him go to college.
2: And now uh, I have a career.
1: Danny has two degrees, uh, one in child psychology and another in criminal justice. um, He's um, also studied to become a pastor. He can't wait for Steve to open up the orphanage because he'll have a job there working with the kids. It's his chance to give back.
2: It's a good future for the kids so we can show them that there is esperanza, hope. You come to these places to be an orphan, no more because you have people that will be taking care of you.
0: Our reporter was Monica Ortiz-Aribe, who also produced this story. I'm Jimmy Jenkins. To read more about the efforts of Stephen Brewer, visit his website online at tapestriesoflife.com. If you have a story you want told, get in touch with us at reporters at fronterasdesk.org. If you enjoy our Crossing the Line podcast, tell your friends and share a link through kjzz.org or use our mobile app.